Welcome to the ninth season of From the Rooker End. My name is John, with me is Mike. Hello. Uh, and Jason. Hello there. Uh, and uh, this is our ninth season of uh, telling you our story and our take on life as a Watford fan. Uh, Mike, it had been the game, I'd, I'd, uh, I was, was chatting to a couple of people and I sort of said, I wonder what would have to happen today to get Mike in a bad mood. Because the first game of this season, you can win them, you can draw them, you can, you can lose them. But a 2-0 home win against Brighton that we've just seen at Vickers Road was exactly what you want at the start of the season. What would have made me angry would have been an injury to one of our key players because yeah. I thought that's bound to happen today but no, like you say, exactly what you want a really, really consummately professional opening day victory over a team who I think will probably struggle away from home but I thought Watford would look to an absolute different class. They started the game with intensity, with desire Andre Gray and uh, Troy Deeney up top scrapping, harrying, fighting, chasing down stuff down, looking to work on their on their partnership evidently it was, it was just great, I thought it was a real great start and two great goals great win, three points in the books, magnificent We're going to talk about the transfer window uh, and how it looks and how it looks at the end of that, that process, uh, we're also going to uh, have a, a bit of a, a scouting report from our friend DCW uh, as part of his job at TalkSport uh, he was uh, at the uh, the Wolves Everton <laughs> game, uh, Jason let's go, let's, let's talk about the game let's talk about let's talk about you know in terms of the players that, that we saw um, at the back you sort of might have hoped to have seen some of the new boys on the left and the right but we did see uh, Holobas Cabaselli Cathcart and Yammat the defence of last year much more uh, convincing yeah, I mean, let's let's start at the very back. You talk about on the new boys. We had yeah. the new old boy, or the old new boy, <laughs> or whatever way it goes. Um, Fozzie, who looked very solid, didn't have to make any difficult saves, I think. But what what he did do very well was he dominated his box. He came out and attacked everything. A couple of times he sort of went for things, ball pinged about a bit, but he was he was he was aggressive. He was positive, and that was a good thing. Uh, and a clean sheet. You can't can't do better than that as a goalkeeper at the start, and for a defence as well. I wasn't surprised by the fullback choices. That's what I thought Havi would go with, with the, uh, the two boys from last year. I think he quite likes them, Yamat and Holabas. And Cavasale and, and Cathcart do, I think, I mean, it's only the first game, but they look like a really calm, solid partnership at the back. Uh, and they got youth on their side compared to the other boys as well. And there was, there was no fuss, no fuss at all from them, no panic. There were a couple of times where a couple of loose passes where they had to sort of rescued the situation but again there's no panic about it went in made the tackle Cabasali made a couple of great sort of last ditch tackles without anyone sort of panicking too much a good solid performance at the back you asked, you asked what it takes to make me angry well it doesn't take anything to make Jose Holobas <laughs> angry wasn't it great wasn't it I mean it, like you say it was had a very familiar look to it that, that side apart from a, a couple of changes and nothing changes with, with Jose does it absolutely brilliant getting, getting booked towards the end of the game basically for kicking the ball away he just couldn't resist it but I thought he deserves credit because he was what you need I think is a bit of width with, with playing two up top I and mean, he worked really hard to, to get into space um, down in the flank and was often making overlapping runs and demanding the ball um, and it was great to see him back in action he does make me he does make me chuckle even if nothing in life makes him chuckle <laughs> but his, his, his work uh, and his delivery from set pieces uh, today was absolutely fantastic yeah. um, caused a couple more uh, you know a little, a little here a little there and all of a sudden there'll be even a few more goals I think 
think. So really positive, I think, from, from that front. Mike, the midfield, uh, we started with a, a four in midfield. I don't know quite what shape you want to, to think, think, think it was, but it was uh, Decore, Capu, Pereira and Will Hughes uh, playing out on the right. All, all players you, you, you know and trust. Yeah, absolutely. And just to seeing the rangy figure of Decore out there, how happy I am to see him in a, in a yellow, well, yellow and black shirt this time <laughs> round, isn't it? It was great to see him... Um, Dominating again, just working really, really hard. Just incredibly difficult to play against. Uh, Watford's Mr. August, of course, Detti and Capu, <laughs> basking in his favourite time of year. I thought he looked he looked great again. Um, but this was cloud cover today, so maybe that's why he didn't do as well. There wasn't quite enough sunshine for him. I, I thought he was good. I thought he, I thought he really enjoyed himself, and I, I enjoyed him in, as part of that that midfield unit. And then it's a toss up between. I think man of the match rightly went to, to, to Pereira, who I'm sure we'll talk about. But Will Hughes again, particularly in that first half, which is where Watford really. Set the tone and let Brighton know they were going to be in for a very, very difficult afternoon. And Will Hughes played a huge part in that. You look at him; he's incredibly looks slight. He looks; he's got that very boyish type type look, despite a, a quite sharp haircut, the sort of haircut that, yeah. that your mum. He's gone. About, he's, he's, he's gone a bit, a bit uh, darker. It yeah. seems to be. And I think was that, is that you know because success has come in with his sort of uh, top, his bar at a different colour. But also Penuand is around now. He yeah. looks like very uh, bright, uh, bright well, hair. So he's making a style choice, I think. Well, well, someone said that. Um, Will Hughes uh, looked a bit ginger, but that, I said that's just an Auburn myth. <laughs> uh, but I thought a huge credit to Will Hughes. I think he, a lot, you know, we have got quite a tough midfield, I think, which you need to be as a midfielder if you're going to be. You, but I think he, I really like Will Hughes. I think he's going to be incredibly important to us this season. Um, we just have to keep him fit. Um, and Pereira in the midfield, best player on the park by. A country mile, wasn't he? I thought he was absolutely superb. And again, he was instrumental. You had the guys setting the tone with their intensity, with their with their toughness, their tackling, their harrying. He was the guy. He was just he was the Rolls Royce, wasn't he? The the ball had the ball on a string at times, and and straight away Brighton knew that they were they were up against someone who who was on it today. I was going to say talking about Will Hughes as well. I think we got exactly what we expected from him today. I was a bit when I saw the starting lineup, I felt a little bit sorry for him because right midfield's not his natural position. So fully expected him to, to sort of come inside quite a lot and create space for Jan Matt to go up on the outside. And that's exactly what we got. And it, 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 I think what we ended up with was Kapu and Decore were, uh, were sort of dropping back. They were sitting deeper. Hughes was sort of coming inside and playing more of an advanced role and sort of that tenacious little sort of fighter that he is to create space for Yamat as well. And I think that's exactly what I expected and exactly what we got from him today. Pereira, you know, last year, especially at the beginning of the year, he was sort of be, when Richarlison was, you know, almost undroppable. He, uh, you know, he played a central role. But oh, sorry, who? Yeah. Well, you remember. Jason, I'm not that bad of memory. <laughs> I might be getting on in years, but I'm not that bad of memory. Pereira sort of moved to the middle, but he's always happiest when he's out on the on the on the wings running down cutting in causing hassle and the second goal was almost like that's the, the first goal was was impressive the second goal was more like what you the sort of goal that we we've grown to love absolutely and and it was the the battling and pressing qualities of the team that we, we talked about earlier that, that created that goal. And it was, yeah, Hollabass was there with him in the corner. He was the one sort of fighting. Sort of, to, We almost lost the ball. Uh, maybe in another day we would have given up the ball and lost it and sort of dropped back deep. But we didn't. We kept hassling and pressing in the corner. Bobby Pease come away with it and, uh, and a lovely little finish into the far corner. Yeah. I mean, we've glossed over the first goal as well. And I think Jace is absolutely right to praise Hollabass for the for that first one and the way he hassled. And what a finish, though, from Pereira. But what was great about him today, you knew that when he got into that position, 
I thought this is going in. This is going up in the back of the net. There's no one near him. He's going to. I knew what he was going to do, and he did it. And it was that was a great feeling. I'll never get that with Watford. <laughs> thought he's going to stick this in the back of the net, and and he duly did. But I loved the first goal as well. Hey, it was great execution from Pereira and beautiful ball in from from Hollowbass again. So huge credit to him. But a very simple. It was obviously a training round routine with the corner, play it short, and before let it before um, Brighton realised what had happened, the ball was floated out to Pereira. He he, he caught the hammer, bang, back of the net. Absolutely superbly executed, great technician. Um, but credit to the credit to the team, credit to the um, to the manager, because you could see all around us as in the Elton John stand again today, and the the backroom staff at the top were all high fiving each other. They were like, "Yes, it worked." So great. They've worked over it on the summer, and they've executed it. Brilliant goal, memorable goal, um, and yeah, memorable result already. I think that was really good, really chuffed. But up front, the pairing which we hoped for, thought we'd see a lot more last year uh, of Dini and and Gray. The my biggest thing, Jace, about about that was Gray. I don't think Gray did a lot different from last year. He was doing his runs, he was causing hassles, and we talked about that a lot last year, but it seems you couldn't get past the fact that he wasn't scoring goals. But he didn't feel as isolated today. Because he had a strike partner playing alongside him. Um, going back to the second goal, <laughs> we're, sort of, we're sort of going all over the place. It's like watching Pulp Fiction. Um, <laughs> that kind of started in the middle with with Andre, and we know we know his touch isn't the greatest, and we saw a little bit of that again today. But there was a situation there where he was under pressure from two or three defenders, kept his touch, played well, got out of trouble, played a pass and off we go and, and we scored a goal so credit where credit's due for Andre for that and yeah you're right I know that we're still getting the movement sort of the playing on the, the shoulder of the last defender making the defender think making the defenders turn running onto the sort of the balls over the top and then when he gets the ball he's then got people around him he's got Troy Deeney moving around in the middle but the movement from Andre and the movement from Troy it's creating space elsewhere there are a couple of lovely balls where Troy's not available for him so he's played it out wide Mike's already talked about his using width well, to, well today and again that's helped Andre because he's got people available who can make a, what's probably a fairly straightforward pass but it looks like a great piece of football because of the movement. In short, really encouraged by those two and I think they've, they've got something to offer. They are going to trouble defences. The world-class sort of centre-backs and, and defensive lines will, will be a challenge for those guys but I think they can, they can ruffle some feathers in this division and if we can keep them both fit. They both look incredibly determined Troy Deeney's did a great interview, I think it was in the Watford Observer in the last couple of days, about intensity and how focused he is. And I think that was visible in both him and in Andre Gray today. And I think they get on well together. I think they see themselves as a strike partnership. And, and they're going to be... I would, as if I was a defender, I would not relish playing against those two guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that, that partnership develops. Three points today. 37 points from safety. (laughs) A podcast made by Watford fans Fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike Serlo is parking his son called Arlo, who was holding hands with Troy Deeney as they came out uh, on the pitch today as a mascot. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to a very special edition of Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Very good. Very good. Now... Watford v Brighton, it was a special occasion for you. Why was that? Because I was the mascot. You were the mascot. Now, can you talk us through what that was like? What sort of things did you get to do in your important role as mascot? Play a little bit of football on the pitch. What was it like to play on the Vicarage Road turf? Cool. But what was the grass like? Was it nice and smooth? Yeah. So easy to do some good skills? Yeah. And did you get to have a look around anywhere in the stadium? Yeah, we got to 
put our hands in an ice bath and it feels like minus 77 degrees. Wow, that is cold. And anything else? Did you get to see any of the players? Yeah, all of them. All of them? Wow, and what were they like? Were they friendly? Who was, who was your favourite, perhaps? Brendan Brighton team, it was knockout. Was he a nice guy, was he? Because he got a lot of stick from the Watford players, didn't he? Uh, Watford supporters, didn't he? Was he actually a nice guy? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, maybe, do you think the Watford fans shouldn't boo Anthony Knockout anymore, then? No. All right, well, you've heard it here from, from Marlowe. You've had got first-hand experience of him, so we've, we've got to take your word for it. And what about the Watford players? Who were your favourites? Troy. Yeah. And Ben Foster. So most of all, the most... Oh, imp- and Mariappa. Mariappa, good old maps. Now, the bit that looked the most exciting to me, and this is something that I'd still love to do, even though I'm, I'm old and fat and far too useless at football to be able to do it, to walk out onto the pitch at the start of the game. Can you explain what that was like with the entire crowd in, 20,000 people, all the TV cameras, everyone watching? What's it like to walk out onto the pitch just before kickoff? Awesome and cool. Awesome and cool. Was it noisy? Yeah. Was it was it exciting? Yeah. And did you wish you could stay on the pitch and play the actual game? No. No? Why not? Because I would get hit by the ball. Oh dear, you're not usually worried about things like that. Now, finally, Arles. Remember, they are big people. They are big people. Maybe, maybe in a couple of years you'll be out there? Yeah, cool, Okay. Now, I noticed in the programme, as part of your mascot experience, you had to predict the score, and you said the score would be? 2-0. And the score was? 2-0. So what everyone wants to know is, what will the score be next week against Burnley? Um, 2-1 to Watford. All right, perfect, thanks. So can you sum up your Watford mascot experience in, in just a couple of words? Come on, Watford. Come on, Watford. You've left there happy to be a Watford supporter, right? Strange thing to be doing. Uh, it isn't uh, the first week in uh, September, uh, but we are having a look back at Watford's transfer window. Uh, it closed on Thursday, uh, having made a bunch of signings, which we've already talked about, bar one. We already talked about them uh, when we did the podcast uh, England against Sweden many weeks ago. Uh, Mike, what is a successful window? If we listen to Sky Sports, we have to spend a lot of money. Uh, we have to buy a lot of players. We haven't done that. You put in a tweet out about how much activity. We, at that point, it was Delafeu, Foster, Seema, Messina, Navarro, Will Mott. Five years, new contract for uh, Decore. We brought in Peñaranda. And the only thing we've done since then is bringing in a young lad who's with a very hard name. We haven't heard the blokes in the Tannoy say this to us yet. Uh, from West Ham, uh, an 18-year-old uh, player from West Ham. Uh, and you, we got a lot of positivity about that tweet. Yeah, I think it was important to... I understand why people get hurt up as the transfer window draws to a close. We've all said to a man we'd like to see in a, another attacking um, option come in and we'd all talked ourselves into it in, in the summer, I think. Yeah. We sort of assumed it was going to happen. So when you get to those last couple of days, when the World Cup finishes um, and then you start to focus on your club team again, the, the transfer rumours all kick off and all that sort of stuff. And you can't help get drawn into it into a little bit. But I have to say, some of the activity on, on Twitter in particular, which obviously isn't known for being the most uh, level-headed platform, is getting a bit sort of um, 
how, how's the best way to put it, a bit sort of out of control really, with sort of, oh, woe is me, we haven't made any strikers, so any, we haven't made any signings. So I thought it was important just to take a step back and realise, you know, A, we've, we've, we've done well in the Premier League, we've, we're, we're establishing ourselves slowly but surely, and we have brought players in, and not inconsiderable amount of money spent, particularly Delefeu, who you forget who is a youngster. Um, he's still young, he's got his best years ahead of him, something to prove, he'll want a big move away from Watford eventually. Um, and we've, we've addressed the defensive issues with, with two reasonable looking um, uh, uh, recruits either side, on the left and the right side. Another goalkeeper has come in. Now I'm not going to say that just these, 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 this is the transfer window of a team that is now going to finish in sixth or fifth. But what we want to do is, is build and, and get better. And really what they have done is addressed, um, addressed the issues um, that, we, that have been identified. And they're keeping faith with Troy Deeney, who's been to the Clitters his ninth year at the club. Um, they're not just going to throw that in the bin. They obviously think that, that Troy still has something to offer. And on the basis of today, I agree. And they've done, let's not forget, they sent nigh on, spent nigh on 20 million quid, 18 million pounds on Andre Gray. What do you expect them to do? Chuck him in the bin and, and write off 18 million? It doesn't happen like that. He, they've made a, he was a marquee signing last year and he's, he will want to prove it and the board will want him to prove it as well so I think it's important to take a step back we did a lot of business early we've addressed problem areas uh, and we need to give them a chance to, to go out there and prove it So Jason though we did say Mike has sort of talked about already we, we said oh we need a new striker and I didn't see that as Andre Gray necessarily going or Troy Deeney it might have been Okaka one of them but not, not a massively overhaul up front uh, we also said about a centre back needed as well but do you think we have added attackingly and defensively enough um interesting i, I the, the delafeo signing i think is an important one he took us on a level i think in a, in, in a couple of games last season brought an extra attacking dimension and securing that signing i think is uh, is an important attacking move for us and it will be interesting to see uh ken Semmer yeah. or kenzema as Benzema. i want to call him the great uh, Kenzema. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does this season, what we can get out of him. He's we sort of a brief cameo from him today. I think with transfers, it's very difficult to say after one game or even before. With the yeah. transfer deadline happening before the start of the season, you cannot say that's been a successful transfer window. You no. don't know until you see what happens on the pitch. Yeah. Some of those players, it might not work out for them, and that'll be the case. Some of those players could be um, could be a, a success. Talking of which, <laughs> it's almost like I planned that. I just thought in my head just then. Again, just a brief cameo from him today, but he looked all right in those sort of 20 minutes or so that he came on. Perhaps rather than sort of focusing on getting a, another striker in, perhaps they've concentrated on getting the best out of, of Isaac, worked with him over the summer and thought, like they have done with Andre, the, the money they've invested in them and, and what Troy brings to the club, they've looked at him as well and, and said, well, look, they, they, he's looking better, he's looking sharper. Let's see if we can get as much out of Isaac as possible. Because following him on Instagram, you sort of saw at least two or three weeks before you know, he was due to report back to Watford, he was back in England, he was back getting doing fitness training every single day and you, know, you hoped his incident he had at the hotel uh, after a couple of Baileys it was the, the thing that sort of made him hope we'd grow him up and focus him on look you need to be a, a professional footballer around here and you know you hope this season can be the thing that that, that puts it forward but Mike like you say you talked about the, the hysteria that went on and, it, and it's important in some ways to to, to be critical friends almost and we talk about these you know we don't talk about them with, with anger well most of the time we're not angry <laughs> uh, and hysteria are we though starting to see a downside 
to the the, per, the purchase style of the Pozzos. It's not bargains necessarily, but it's 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 never extravagant. No, and I think and I think that's right, and I think we do need to accept that. And really, you know, the, the good example is the is the Barcelona striker. I think there was a lot of people excited about perhaps getting him because he comes from Barcelona. I'd imagine he would have come with an enormous wage bill, some sort of payment for, for loan with a commitment to an, with a big chunky fee at the end of it. And do we, do the Pozzo family, does Gino and Scott, do they run the club on that basis? I don't think they do. The, the, the bottom line is they are looking to bring players in that they can either send out elsewhere to benefit the, the network, whether they go to, to Udinese or they get them out on loan with a view to them being sold on in a couple of years' time. Whether you like it or not, that's what's happening. Just, just take the time to look at who's been in and who's come out. You know, there's been a player that left, and I still can't remember, I didn't even realise he was at the club. And, you know, we're big-time supporters, and then, you know, I've got family and stuff. You can probably hear Arlo kicking a ball, being annoying in the background. So I'm not perhaps... <laughs> so that's where we're at. So that, that, there is that. There are going to be players brought into the network. But Foster is, 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 is an interesting one for me, and he's the one I thought, well, we've brought Ben Foster in, but he's not a spring chicken. He has got injury, um, injury history. Anyone that saw the, the documentary on West Brom will, will attest to that. And there's Jack Butland sitting at Stoke. So we've got an old keeper in, in Gomez. We've got the, we've got the established um, veteran, if you like. Ben Foster has to go in the, in the veteran category. <coughs> Why didn't we go for Butland? Well, I think he would have cost a significant amount of money. But he would have been a much bigger benefit to, to Watford in the long term. But that would have taken... 30 million maybe mm. I don't know um, but you, so, can, you uh, can see the role that Foster's been brought into play oh, absolutely. I'm not it's, it's there, to, it's there yeah, yeah it's it's almost like you know he's, he's that senior player to add more seniority to our team but with all the young players that we have and uh, you know majority of the players that come in are young players but also the fact that he is that two years where we can get Pontus uh, up and running and and almost like that succession plan where Gomez at this point Pontus wasn't ready and Gomez hasn't got that many years left in him so it it makes complete sense in a longer term why a player like him is perfect for the now and even a couple of years' time. Don't get me wrong, great signing, thrilled to have him back at the club, thought it was great today, um, and he'll be delighted with the clean sheet, obviously, but I think it is a reminder we're not going to spend big bucks. It just isn't going to happen. It's not how they operate. It's not how they fund things. Because, and, and I was surprised to see a couple of people who sort of, I, I respect quite a lot on, on Twitter, talking about, oh, well, what's the point of selling Richarlison if we don't spend the money? And it's like, well... <laughs> I don't know, if you win 100 quid on the lottery, do you go straight out and buy 99 more lottery tickets? <laughs> I'd like to think you probably don't. You probably put it in the bank and get, take your missus out for a meal or something. Just because the money's there, that's good. It means the system's working and we've got it there should we need it. You don't sell to buy. And certainly not in a deal like that. When the money was far too good to turn down, the player wanted to go. We would have liked to have kept him. We didn't actively sell Richarlison to get to raise 50, 45, 30 million quid, whatever it was. That ended up being the best possible thing for the player and the club. So the money's come in, great. Spending it because we've got it is a nonsense, an absolute nonsense. Yeah, when I was a kid, though, if I had a pound in my pocket when I was a kid, I didn't want to go and buy a Mars bar and spend it all on that. When you were a kid. When I was a kid, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But the thing is, you say about what I've just thought of since you were saying that, you know, we weren't, you know, selling to to spend that money. But actually, what we're not selling to survive anymore. And that's a great sort of feeling to have. in, In terms of the policy as well, we know what the policy is. It's... I think obviously it's going to get harder the higher up the table we go the more established we become it's going to be harder to sort of 
improve upon that with the with the policy that we have and that's not a criticism it's just it's just uh, the way of the world and we like mike says we don't want to sort of gamble the bigger amounts of money on on a player that might not come off for us it, it would be it would be foolish to do that um i yeah i'd say it's not not a criticism but it is it, naturally it's going to be harder you look at udinese and they sort of peaked when they had sanchez they got into europe came the time they had to sell him to a to a bigger club in barcelona they got a lot of money for it and they found it difficult to sort of maintain the, the heights that they'd got to we might have that struggle at some point we might get a point where we finish in the top half of the premier league we we do peak we do end up selling a, a, a better player, maybe a Peñaranda in three years' time, who knows? And then it gets tougher again. And we are going to sort of have to, have to sort of go with the flow, go with that ride as part of being a, a part of being a football supporter. I think we just be a bit more sensible and just appreciate what the model is, understand that it's not easy, it's not football manager, you can't just go out and spunk 50 million on a on a 19-year-old from Brazil and he scores 102 goals a season or whatever. They, they, these guys know what they're doing. It's, it's, it's a tough business. You have to look at the big picture and I know it's difficult. I get as happy as any with 89 minutes on the clock today I was still thinking, oh God, we're going to lose, we're going to lose. So I'm as irrational as the next man. Um, but it's so important to, and I know people say, "Don't." well we're here now, we're in the Premier League, it's silly to look back to where we were. But that's not that long ago. In the, in the grand scheme of things, it takes time to build things. And that's just the way of the world. And as Jay said, it's ever-decreasing areas of... Uh, ever-decreasing amount of sort of play you've got. You've got... The, the margins are much finer to improve on, on the players. So it's an incredibly difficult market. And the fact that no-one came in sort of really this side of, of the World Cup in the transfer window, I will put down to one thing. No-one available at the right price who's better than what we've got. And if you're a Watford supporter and you just want to see... have that rush of adrenaline, seeing a new player hold up the shirt on transfer deadline, day I get it but for me that just isn't sensible look around the Vicarage Road look around about what it is you enjoy about this club and that takes building we want to be here talking about the Premier League in 5, 6, 10, 15 years time that doesn't happen overnight running the club properly will ensure that so that's why we've had the transfer window we have thank you and good night A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. The latest series of Hornet Heaven is out uh, and downloadable. Episode 1 came out this last Thursday. Episode 2 will be out this coming Thursday. And we, let's, let's preview the next game uh, with Johnny and Henry. Henry, the founder of the club, uh, and Johnny, our first ever manager, in Henry and Johnny's Premier League preview. Henry and Johnny's Premier League preview. Burnley away. Did you know, Henry, before 1882, Burnley were a rugby union club? Is that right? So their style of football hasn't changed one bit. And they've been playing home games at Turf Moor since 1883. Aha! That's how old their pies are. I'd been wondering. Very funny, Henry. They deserve respect, though. Burnley's a smaller town than Watford. Yet they've won the league twice. They had an illustrious history long before Sean Dyche arrived. Ah, good old Dyche. Or the throaty goatee, as we call him in Hornet Heaven. I'll get me voice from gargling gravel. <laughs> that voice must terrify the players into playing well. So how do you think we'll do against them this weekend? 
I'd say they're bound to be extra motivated after their UEFA Cup trip to Aberdeen. Why? That was two weeks ago. Isn't it obvious, Johnny? Aberdeen's the granite city. Imagine Daishi's voice when he's been gargling granite. Get in, swim, you horrible lot. <coughs> I see. That's a unique perspective, Henry. <coughs> oh. Thank you, thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Well, I think we'll win, Henry. I predict a hard-fought 1-0. <coughs> oh, excellent, Johnny. Excellent. Give the lads an extra cheer on my behalf, could you? One of the, from the Recruend crew, DCW, uh, works for TalkSport, uh, and he t- was at the late kickoff today of Everton away at Wolves, uh, and we got him to give us a bit of a scouting report about what he saw the two teams uh, and what he saw around Molyneux, and particularly Mr Silver and one Richarlison. Hi guys, David Cameron Walker here, making my way back home to London after an evening spent at Molyneux for Wolves against Everton. Now, I was casting my eye over our departed friend Richarlison and our departed friend turned foe, Marco Silva. And they, you know what, they played quite well. I don't know if you've seen the game yet, but Richarlison obviously was the star of the show, scored two goals, and he looked very much like the player that we saw and grew to love in last August, September and October. He was back at it, he was lively, enthusiastic. Every time he got the ball, he looked to make something happen and quite often he did. He was in the right place at the right time for the first goal and the second goal, out of nothing, dribbles, cuts inside, great finish into the far corner, the sort of shot that he was trying for us all the way through last season, but for so much of the latter half of the season was going wide or he was scuffing it or getting saved and the confidence has returned and I I don't know whether that was due to a summer off and having a rest and going again or whether it is something that he has with Marco Silva maybe Marco can motivate him speak to him in Portuguese give him that confidence but I think you know he's at a new club he's playing with new players it's the first day of the season and he's hit the ground running he did get a little bit in trouble in the first half a very over enthusiastic challenge after he lost the ball possibly be a little bit lucky if it had come a bit later in the game or in a bit more of a precarious position might have got a little bit more than the yellow card that he got but he went off with an injury late on but a very very good performance for uh, for Richarlison and I must say I did get a little bit sad when I saw him wheeling away after that first goal slapping the Everton badge on his chest and sliding in front of those 4,000 Everton fans at Molyneux. We're going to miss him. We know how good he is, but hey, we've got 40 million in the bank and we've got Bobby P banging two in against Brighton. What was everybody worried about? But a word on, uh, on good old Marco Silva. He got absolutely drenched today, standing out there in his suit in the elements as the rain battered down in Wolverhampton. And d- despite his team playing quite well, digging in when they only had 10 men, coming back to retake the lead after Wolves had equalised he looked thoroughly miserable all game just as we got used to seeing him for us last season but I think we all know deep down despite our animosity towards him he is a good manager he's got some very good players to work with and I think they may very well have a good season at Everton and if we are going to be the best of the rest 
that Scott Duxbury wants us to be. We're going to need to finish above these two teams. And I think on today's evidence, that'll be quite hard. I mean, I've not seen our performance, but I gather it was really good. But Wolves and Everton both strengthened really well. They've both brought in top players, real top internationals. You had Jao Moutinho, who played really well for Wolves today. They've got Rui Patricio in goal. They already had Ruben Neves, the likes of Diego Jota, who played quite well again today. And they've got lots more to come in as well. And so have Everton. They might have bought too many players, perhaps. I know we've been moaning about not signing enough, but I think there is something to be said for stability and building that togetherness over a few seasons. But we'll see. No doubt about it, it's going to be a tough league this season. But don't worry about that. We won today. Come on, you Orns. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Jason, who's going to be your new favourite player? Oh, well, I'm hoping it's going to be Kenzema. <laughs> just, just so I can keep saying that. But again, it's, it's, it's one game today, isn't it? I think he's come from a bit left field, not just the fact that he can play on the <laughs> left wing. But he, uh, I just think he was uh, perhaps a bit of a gamble. We've he had a, he's had a sort of good run with Ostersunds, who have done well as a team under under Swansea's new man, Graham Potter. Perhaps not someone that everyone else was looking at. And I think it's a chance to to show how successful Watford can be at finding those types of players. It's Sort of back to those, yeah, what we're talking about. Here's someone that no one else is looking at. We found him. We've turned him into a star. So yeah, I'd love for him to to have a successful season and him become my new favourite. And Mike, who's going to be the most important player for Watford this season? On today's evidence, if he can stay fit, Pereira, because we talk about the difference and we talk about how difficult it is to to do that, raise it up a couple of factors. And, and on today's evidence and in fairness towards the end of last season we saw when he was on his game that he is the difference between a, a team in 13th and 14th against another team in 13th 14th someone who can unlock it someone who is basically just better so if we can keep him fit confident and happy he could he could make the difference for us and I, I'll be honest I haven't been a convert uh, of, of Pereira's and I've, I've spoken to friends and uh, my cousins who, are, who, who we talk about a lot about Watford and I've never really been sold on him because I've been worried about his injuries. He looked a bit flaky from time to time, but he's on a good run, isn't he? And and he's been he's been important to us. So yeah, he could be the difference. Really, really excited. Watch him go and get injured away at Burnley. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, second game, Jason. Uh, firstly, congratulations uh, on your predictions for this season on our uh, podcast nine point one. Uh, we did. You predicted Watford to win this first game two nil. Uh, do you remember what you predicted for the Burnley game? Was it another 2-0? I think it was. Mike, what do we need from that game? Just keep up the momentum. I think Burnley are in the middle of an interesting time. They've made some, some late signings in the, in the transfer window, so they've got to gel those. They've got to get with their certain Mr Vidra, who, who may or may not make an appearance. They've got Europe on the horizon. Pushing it a bit to say it's tumultuous at, at Turf Moor, but plenty going on. It'd be nice just to come away with something, wouldn't it? It's the sort of place that we've struggled at. It's the northwest. We're historically pretty, pretty poor up there. Just ask Mr Lewis about that. Mm. Hello, if you're listening. Andy, please don't go to Burnley for the love of all things holy. <laughs> let's, get, let's get away with there. Another, another solid defensive performance. Um, let's ask them some questions. I'd, I'd, I would take a, I'd take a, a draw, but I think this is the time that, that you know they're probably there. Not there for the taking is 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 silly because no Sean Dyche side is is there for the taking. But if we perform to our um, perform to as well as we can, 
Again, Pereira, Will Hughes could be the difference. Let's go and get three points. Thank you very much for listening from the Rookie End. Uh, we're back again next week. Please make sure you tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and search for What for Podcast. But if you do want to listen to us, uh, if you're listening to an iPhone, uh, you can use Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you're listening on an Android phone, you can listen via the new Google Podcast. So just search for From the Rookie End on your mobile phone. Thank you very much. We're back after a trip to Burnley. Come on, you horns.